Well, welcome, welcome. We're uh, we're. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's true. Um, back in the day, back in the day. Well, welcome. We're glad uh, we're glad you're here. Whether you're joining us for the first time, you've been around for a long time, you're joining us online. Uh, my name's Steve Cunningham. I get to be the lead uh, pastor here at Wellhouse. We're grateful uh, just that that you are joining us today, and we hope that. Uh, something along the way, help point you in a deeper relationship with Christ. That's what we're all about. That's what we want to do. Uh, and I'll just let you know, uh, one of the, the, we, we kind of strive towards three things. One is we believe that, that Christ calls us to be a part of a family. Uh, and so we, we want to help people belong to a family. Uh, and we also believe that we're called to bless others. Jesus said that he didn't come to be served but to serve. Uh, and a day for good is a part of one of the ways that we get to do that. If you haven't registered online yet, or maybe you have but your family hasn't or your spouse hasn't yet, you might check in on them. Uh, we have a lot of people registered. Uh, not everybody yet, I know. And uh, the registration is going to be coming to an end here pretty soon. So jump on there, register. It's going to be a blast. We have a lot of fun stuff uh, happening this time. And so make sure you get on there, be a part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And here's the, here's the cool thing about it is that it's not all day. So by 1.30, you could go off and have a blast the rest of the time. That morning part, we're going to serve our community in many different ways, some unique ways this year. So we're really excited about that. Today, we are wrapping up uh, our series on prayer. And uh, I know it's like the topic that everybody's like, ooh, you know, that's the, that's the big one that everybody wants to come to, right, is, is the one on prayer. But I hope it's been beneficial to you and your prayer life, because if you've ever felt like, man, my prayer life is kind of missing something, or just feels bland, or dull, or boring, or like, you just never seem to get around to it because you're not really sure what to say or how to say it, those kinds of things. I pray that we've given you something um, to think about uh, as you begin to pray. And the first week we talked about this prayer of awareness, that we would pray, search me, God, know my heart, know, know my worries, know my thoughts, know my sin. Point out to me your path. Make that known to me. The second week, we talked about a prayer of confession, that we would be honest with God and honest with ourselves sometimes about areas that we struggle. And, you know, the easiest person in life to lie to is ourselves. We oftentimes buy into the lies that we want to believe about ourselves. So this time of confession where we really look at our life and, and, and see where we are in relationship to God. And we talked about a prayer of availability. Uh, that we would be a, a people who pray that when when God has a need, that we would be the people who would fill it. Uh, and my guess is you're here today because somebody, somewhere along the way, and it may not have even been here at Wellhouse, may have been long, long ago, somebody filled a role, all right, and they served you, they taught you, they, they instructed you, they walked alongside of you, and it helped nurture your faith, it helped grow your relationship with Christ, and that's why you're here today. And so we want to be people who continue to walk in that, that we would be available wherever God calls us to. Last week, we talked about a prayer for unity. And man, this has never been more important in, in our day and age uh, to be a people who are unifying. Um, and we look for ways to do that. And, and we're called to that. In fact, Jesus, 
uh, he prays for that. And John, last week we talked about that, that he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. But today we're wrapping up this series. And uh, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to start with this, I, this thought that I had this week that uh, I noticed something. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it happened yesterday. Uh, our youngest son, Bear, and I, we went to Walmart, of all places. And listen, we shop at Walmart. I'm not trying to knock Walmart or anything like that. But I realized in Walmart uh, that you can say that's different and have two completely different meanings, right? Um, <laughs> and we were <laughs> Some of you already know where I'm going, right? Uh, yeah, uh, we walked in and instantly I saw somebody in all the patriotic gear um, that was, you know, it was, it was, it was like, uh, you know, it was, there was a lot of person and, and not a lot of material, you know, and they were very patriotic in, in their display. And, um, and as we walked past, I didn't, I didn't want uh, my youngest son, Bear, I didn't want him to, you know, like, point and, you know, anything like that. We, we were just trying to play it cool. Um, but as, as we walked past, I saw his eyes kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I said, well, isn't that different? And we walked on, you know, um, because sometimes we're all a little different, right? Uh, but sometimes that difference is kind of a good thing, right? I mean, sometimes you're like, Somebody will give you something, you know, to eat before you, you're like, I don't know. It's Ooh, that's different, right? And you're like, oh, that, that hits right. That's good. I like that. And I want to tell you today that the topic we're talking about is going to fall in line with that. And at first, it's going to feel like, ooh, that's different. I don't like that. But hopefully, as we kind of flesh out what we're talking about today, I hope you'll see that the, ooh, that's different, is the way that God wants us to be in the world. But boy, is it hard to get there. Today, we're going to end with, uh, as we've been talking about these, these fearless, these big prayers worth praying, uh, the, the prayer of forgiveness. And I want to let you know that this, this topic, man, it's so hard. Because I don't know your story, and you may not know uh, my story, but I believe that probably one thing that we all have in common uh, in this life is that somebody, somewhere along the line, uh, if, if it wasn't just one person, it was multiple people, uh, wounded you in some way. And some of those wounds were uh, from a long time ago. And some of those wounds are fresh. And I want you to know that I'm really sorry about that. And I truly mean that. I hate that you had to go through what you went through. And today I'm not trying to make light of that for you. In fact, what I hope I'm doing is throwing out a lifeline to help you figure out how to navigate those hurts without holding on to the hurt and bitterness in your life. And I believe that that's not my life raft to give you. In fact, I believe it's a teaching of Jesus. That he loves you enough to not leave you in the place of hurt and despair and bitterness, but that he throws you and I kind of a life raft to, to figure out how to navigate those really tricky, really hard, really uh, deep waters in a way that gives hope and life. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 18. 
quick little backstory on uh, on this particular section of scripture. I remember I was in, I think it was in fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe. And uh, we we had a, a little drama troupe, and we put on this skit. And I remember that you know uh, I lo- I've always loved to kind of be on the stage. I, I just that's felt like home to me, you know, so I was always in theater and those kinds of things. And I remember that the teacher selected somebody else to be the main person in this, and I was the narrator who sat in the back of the room and kind of was the voice that read through. And so that's always stuck out to me in this. I don't know why. I don't even know why I told you that, but here we are. Today is a different story, however. Here we are. Where's that guy who got to play main character? Where is he today, yeah? Uh, Matthew chapter... Weird, the things we think of. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. This is what happens. Then Peter, who Peter is notorious for sticking his you know, foot in his mouth all the way up to the kneecap. He, I think, the most represents probably me and you among uh, the followers of Jesus. He says this, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Now, take a time out for a moment. I want you to know, uh, we, we, for those of us who grew up in the church, we know this story inside and out. I want us to pause there just for a moment because I think it's important for us to note that Peter is actually trying to be very generous here. Peter is going above and beyond what he thinks Jesus is actually going to say because here's the teaching at the time. Most rabbis would say, if somebody sins against you, you you forgive them up to three times. Now, I don't know what happened after the third time you get to punch them in the lip or whatever it was, but you didn't, but you would forgive somebody up to three times. And so, Peter's saying, all right, I'm, I'm not going to do just that. I'm going to go to the perfect number, the number of completion. I'm going to say seven. And I think what Peter was hoping was that Jesus would say, oh, Peter, you get it. Peter, you get it. You finally get one of my teachings that, that we're supposed to be perfect in forgiving. We're, we're supposed to, to look at this and say, oh, we're going we're gonna to forgive you with a generous heart. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And to that, I don't think Peter starts calculating up. Okay, I have to keep a running tally. I think, you know, Bob the other day, he was with number five. And I don't think that's the takeaway for Peter. I think the takeaway for Peter was understanding that Jesus' call to forgiveness isn't about being generous, it's about being limitless. And this is hard. See, it's one thing to be generous and say, all right, listen, I'll forgive you one more time. I'm going to overlook, you know, this, this extra offense you gave me. Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not what it's like in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is not about being generous. It's about being limitless. Well, goodness, what does that look like? Because I can tell you in my life, forgiveness doesn't feel limitless. If I'm being honest with you, I'm, I'm more of the person who in my life I've tried to keep score. 
And I've noticed that there are some people who get closer to the edge of being cut off than other people. So Jesus tells a story. Before we get to this story, I want you to wrestle with two questions. The first question is this. Is this the way that God forgives me? Not generously, not just generously, but limitlessly, without end, without even always me knowing that I have sinned against him, without me always being aware, without me always coming to him first, has he limitlessly forgiven me? Is this the way that God forgives me? Ask yourself the question. And then ask yourself another question. Is it even possible for me to forgive without limits? Is it even possible for me to forgive without limits? This is the story. Therefore... Jesus sees he has a teaching opportunity. He says, oh, Peter, I, I, love, I love that you're looking at this thing of forgiveness and you want to go over the top. I'm about to show you how over the top this is. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and this is important to note, that sometimes, or at least when I was growing up, I had this understanding that the kingdom of heaven was or the kingdom of God, those two terms can be interchangeable in the Bible. Now, the kingdom of heaven was when we went to heaven. It was one day. It was when it would happen eventually. But that's not generally the way that Jesus refers the kingdom of heaven. See, as Jesus refers the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about, this is important, the rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of men. The rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of men. And so, he says, the kingdom of heaven, when God rules... In the hearts and lives of men, this is what it's like. There's a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to the settlement process, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and all the things that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he begged, be patient with me, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. Now, I think uh, there's, there's a lot of really interesting things that happen in the context of this small section of Scripture, but the first thing has to do with currency, and I know what you're thinking, like, who cares, uh, right? Uh, it's important to know when, like, when, when Veronica and I have gone to Honduras, uh, they, they have something called limps. And I, when the first time I heard that, I thought it was funny. Um, I don't know why in my mind I just imagined people walking around, you know, I got a whole lot of limps, you know. And, and um, that's not what it is at all. It's their currency. Uh, and you, for just a little bit of money, you can get a whole lot of limps, right? Well, uh, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. In fact, I think it's important for us to do like a little math equation here on what's happening. Because if you remember, right, 
uh, as the king settles accounts, he has one servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Well, we need to break that down a little bit. And what we understand from currency at that time is a denarii is uh, one day's wage. So if you worked all day, one day, you would earn a denarii. That was it, one day's wage. So most people at that time were working six days a week. We have a five-day work week. They were working six days a week at roughly 50 weeks a year. They have a couple of times off for festivals and things like that, but roughly 50 weeks a year, six days a week, that would be 300 denarii a year. That's what they could earn, okay? Important, stick with me here. Here we go. 20 years of that, if you did that, six days a week, 50 weeks a year, right? For 20 years, if you did that for 20 years, you would earn 6,000 denarii or one talent, 20 years. Therefore, this man owed 10,000 talents. If you did the math, that's uh, 200,000 years of labor. So I want you to stop right there and think. I did the math on this the other day, and, and I was like, this is, this is a crazy amount of time. And I was thinking, okay, his wife, his children, everything he had was taken or supposed to be taken. And I thought, okay, how many generations would it take for him to pay off this one loan? And I came to the, to the equation of it would take 8,000 generations of his if they did this. Six days a week, 50 weeks a year, every bit of money goes to the king. It would take 8,000 generations to pay off the debt. And you're like, okay, why are we so wrapped up in talents and denarii? It's because the people at the time understood what Jesus was talking about, and we don't, but we cannot understand forgiveness without missing this point. You see, forgiveness for Jesus begins with the realization of my own debt. If I miss that, I will miss the point of forgiveness altogether. And I want to let you know that this is a huge struggle for us. It's why Jesus begins with helping us understand the massive amount of debt that we have in our life. And here's the problem. I think most of us think we're a pretty good person. We look around and we can kind of compare ourselves to everybody else and we say, well, at least I'm not doing this. At least I'm not doing that. I did show up to church and I sat through Steve's you know, message and I didn't fall asleep too many times. So that has to count for something, right? And then we compare ourselves and we think, right, well, I'm not too bad. I'm not doing too bad. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You could not even fathom the amount of debt owed. You can't even fathom it. You have no idea what I have forgiven you of. You just don't get it. It's, it's so big and you make it so small. 
See, I think if we look at the question of, is it even possible for me to forgive without limits? The first place we have to begin to start is to recognize our own indebtedness to God. That we would come face to face and, and see firsthand, man, God, you have forgiven me of so much in my life. Jesus is not done with this story. He continues on and he says this. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned, uh, uh, who owed him a hundred silver coins or a hundred denarii. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Highlight that. If you, if, or underline that if you can. Verse 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could uh, pay the debt. Then the other servants saw what had happened and they were outraged and they went out and they told their master everything that had happened. And I want to say this about this story. We kind of see this and we're like, man, that dude kind of, he got some anger issues, right? I mean, he immediately went from having this huge debt canceled and, and, and instantly went out and found somebody who owed him way less. It sounds like way, way less, you know. And, man, he, like, chokes him and beats him up a little and throws him in jail. And how are you going to make money in jail? And all those kind of, all the, all the questions come out. And here's the thing. think what I found about life and hurt and the accumulation of debt of others is sometimes you don't know the significance until it happens to you. See, I can do the math and I can tell you that one denarii equals a day's wage and six days a week times 50 weeks is 300 denarii and then uh, 100 denarii is four months of labor and so that guy would have had to pay back or he owed him a, almost, almost a half a year's wages. That's, that would be significant, right? If your boss owed you four months of wages and didn't pay it, you'd be upset too. I wonder if that felt differently to him. I wonder if that amount to him represented something different. I wonder if he had a different perspective and that debt to him seemed so insurmountable. It seemed so unforgivable. That debt was tied to something that meant something different to him. See, it wasn't just money. It was a hurt that incurred. It was a pain involved. It was a weakness exposed Therefore, it could not be forgiven. And I don't know about you, but I have wrestled through the forgiveness uh, thoughts before of what does it really mean to forgive somebody? Does that mean we have to be friends again? And what I'll tell you is this. I know that there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. They are not the same. And I will tell you this. If you've been hurt by somebody who's hell-bent on hurting you again, Forgiveness is not an invitation to do life alongside of them again. 
you may never feel that way. That relationship may never be able to be reconciled. But I do believe, I do believe for you, forgiveness is still possible. I believe it solely because Jesus says it. Otherwise, I wouldn't. And here's why. See, at the heart, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. See, you may never feel warm fuzzies inside again. You may never look at that person and say, gosh, I sure hope we can work things out. I'd love to be friends again. I'd love to restore this relationship with my parent again. I would love to work for that company again. I would love for this relationship to happen again. You may never feel that way again, but you can find yourself in a place of forgiveness with that person, even if there is never reconciliation this side of heaven. This man is thrown into prison and what happens next might be some of the hardest scripture that we have to come face to face with. So I want you to hang tight. Verse 32. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I don't know about you, but I don't get the warm fuzzies when I read that verse. It doesn't like make me feel good all over, you know. Like, woohoo, um, let's go get them, team, you know. It sits so uncomfortably with me. It sits so uncomfortably with us. But here's the thing. Does it sit uncomfortably because it's not true or because we don't like it? When I was young... Um, and growing up in church, we made a really high priority of some things that seemed like the epitome of a Christian was to do these things. And maybe if you grew up in church, uh, you may have or may not have experienced these same things. I remember a high priority being on the way people dressed as they went to church. Nothing wrong with that. Like, if you want to wear the very best thing you got, that's great. Uh, If you love wearing a suit and you want to wear a suit, wonderful. Um, I hate suits. Uh, I I will wear them at a wedding. I will wear them at a funeral. And I will immediately take them off afterwards. Like, that's just, I was just raised a poor farm kid. So, uh, I don't feel comfortable in that. But I remember a high priority of what it meant to be a Christian was to wear your Sunday best. That was just a part of what I knew to be true as a follower of Christ. I remember a high priority on the name of the sign. I remember 
talking about this and that being the thing that as we drove, you know, on vacations with my family, we would look for the right name on the sign to make sure we would know it was safe to go in there or not safe to go in there because it was a high priority on the name of the sign. That's how you knew you were being a true Christian. I remember the type of worship that indicated if you were a true follower of Christ, if you really were a Christian, then you knew the true and proper form of worship and you would adhere to that. And if you weren't a Christian or if you weren't a faithful Christian, then you would probably dabble in some things that sounded a lot like Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith at the time. And apparently you were going to hell. Remember a high priority on who could speak, who had access to a microphone. I remember a high priority on whose sins did matter and whose didn't. But family, I want to tell you, I remember almost no or very little emphasis on forgiveness. Which seems to be really important to Jesus. See, everything I just mentioned before that, Jesus speaks nothing about. He says it's no indicator of whether you're a true follower of me, whether you follow in my footsteps. But if you want to imitate me, I forgive without limit. The beautiful thing about God is that he loves us in spite of us. And while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. And the Bible reminds us over and over again where sin increases, grace increases all the more. Now we're reminded by Paul, that doesn't mean that this is a challenge for you like it would have been for me in high school days where I'm like, well, perfect. Let's see if we can try this thing out, you know. How much sinning can I do? How much grace can I receive? It's a call for us to remember the limitless kind of forgiveness that God gives us every day. See, forgiveness is an elemental part of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the rule and reign of God in the hearts and lives of men. Let that sink in. Forgiveness is an elemental part of of the kingdom of God. See, I think what Jesus is telling us here is, listen, if, if you don't accept this idea of limitless forgiveness, you don't really have a part of this Jesus movement. You're not getting it. God forgives limitlessly, and he calls us to forgive limitlessly. And this, folks, this when we say fearless, big prayers worth praying, when we talk about that this is a hard series, when we talk about, listen, uh, you know, you don't know what to pray about, you can spend a lifetime praying about how to forgive some people in your life. I know it because I do it. And what I've learned in my life is true that, that there, be, there will be people in my life that I will never, uh, I don't think, unless God changes some things, I'll never have some warm fuzzies about in my heart. 
but that I'm called to every day go back to the well of forgiveness and forgive them the way that, oh, wait a minute, how did Jesus say this? Forgive them like I have forgiven you. So I know what you're thinking. Or at least I think I do. Maybe you're thinking, how do I start? Because, see, the debt that they owe is so deep. And the hurt that they inflicted is so much. That I can't begin to even think about their name without feeling intense pain. You remember the verse I told you to highlight and underline? Verse 30. Go back and read it again. Three words. But he, come on, come on church, refused. But he refused. See, maybe a part of the process isn't that you get there today. Maybe it's not go. That, I mean, ideally, right? Church leaders are like, all right, perfect. We all go out and forgive. It's wonderful. Good. Maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe it starts with a, just a refusal to not refuse. All right, listen, I don't know if I can speak their name in a prayer today without saying something bad. And I don't want to do that to God, all right? Try to leave out the emergency words and prayers as much as possible. However... I don't know if I can do that. But today, but today, I'm going to refuse to not refuse to forgive them. That's how it looks today. I'm not going to stand and say, all right, it's perfect. You know, I'm moving. I have forgiven and it's all good. You might have to go back to that well two or three or four million times. That might be limitless too. But don't refuse. Because God never refuses for you. And he won't. No matter what. So the question I want to leave you with today is this. Who do you currently refuse to forgive? Because the hurt seems so monumental. Who is it? I know, I know they came to mind today. I know they did. And I know you're thinking like, Phew, Lord, it would take a miracle. Well, maybe that's what you need to pray about. That he would work a miracle in your life. That it would no longer be a refusal. But it would be an acceptance to forgive as he forgives you. Would you stand? to pray a blessing over you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault.
tremendous, tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is truly supreme and sufficient, who is before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. Would you worship with us?